Tenekoto, no mai, hairamai. Hello everyone, welcome to the Walk in the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the realms of the unexplained, of the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. I'm Marianne. Thanks so much for joining me today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours. Sit back, relax, let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and see what awaits us there. Hello everyone and welcome back. It's great to see you again and a special welcome to all of our new listeners. Before this episode begins, I just want to say a very special and heartfelt thank you to those members of the Walking the Shadowlands Facebook group who banded together and donated money to help me purchase a new MacBook Pro. My iMac, which was over a decade old, was dying on me and in fact, all of the interviews in this season, with exception of our next episode, were all recorded on my iMac, so the sound quality, apart from the intro and exit, which I record separately as I edit the episodes, is not as great as it could be, as the machine was making noises and just not working so well. I had to keep shutting it down like uh, every 30 minutes to an hour because of the noises, although I tried to edit the sounds as well as I could. I'm not a sound engineer. I create this podcast on an absolute shoestring budget and I could not afford to replace my machine. I was pretty devastated because I was unsure if I'd be able to continue creating this podcast for you all solely because of that. I wasn't going to ask anyone for help, a bit proud really, but one of my wonderful daughters started a GoFundMe page and members donated on that. I especially wanted to thank everyone who donated, anon and named. Without you all, this podcast would have come to an end when my iMac finally died on me. So because of you all and your wonderful, loving generosity this podcast is able to continue so from the bottom of my heart i thank you all so much this episode's a conversation with a gentleman who's a pretty well-known figure in the music industry in canada and the u.s who has had ufo encounters and paranormal events in his life he's not shy about speaking out about them either I'm not going to waste too much more time getting into it. So, are you ready to walk with me into this part of the Shadowlands and see what awaits us there? Then let's begin. (music) 
My guest, Ed Roman, is an award-winning singer, songwriter, performer and multi-instrumentalist from Shelburne, Ontario, Canada. Blurring the lines between pop, rock, folk and country music genres, Ed's uniquely crafted songs have received regular rotation on more than 100 terrestrial radio stations across North America and more than 600 stations worldwide. Ed is a 2014 Artist's Music Guild Award nominee and a 2014 and 2018 International Music and Entertainment Association Award winner, a two-time 2015 IMEA Award nominee and a 2015 and 2016 Josie Show Awards winner, an Academia Awards winner and a two-time Indie Music Channel Award winner. Ed won a 2017 Radio Music Award for Best Americana Artist. He's a December 2018 Billboard magazine Emerging Artist. The animated music video for the title track from his album Red Omen has been shown at numerous film festivals around the globe and is up for a number of awards. Ed is also a gentleman farmer, gardener and a paranormal enthusiast. My guest, Ed Roman. Like a vibration 
so much for joining us today. Uh, I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts and just listened to your song, I Am Love, which I really like. And I've listened to a few of your other songs as well, and I really like your beat. And it is very hard to put a genre to your particular style. It's kind of a, a cross, isn't it? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I call it kitchen sink. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. Um, I, I grew up in a household of like three generations of people. And in the <clears throat> 1970s, you know, my grandparents were listening to everything from Eastern European music to my grandmother who, who loved everything from the Beatles to Sinatra. Right. And was always singing. Um, my brothers and sisters, who are eight and ten years older than I was, were listening to rock and roll and and, and hard rock and country and uh, pop music of all kinds. My mom and dad were sort of you know coming from the nineteen fifties. A lot of jazz. My mom saw Buddy Rich when mm -hmm. she was very young, you know, in a small club in Toronto, and that it, it, you know it just seemed like there was there was no boundary. To, to yeah. it. So long as people were experiencing it in some way and it made them feel something. Yeah. Um, and, and I really, I started to see, to see that as something that was like, hmm, I, I really want to approach, approach this in a certain way that in, at a certain point in my life where you're being educated, you study certain things, but, but how do I, how do I be myself without being my influences? You know, if the kitchen, kitchen sink is the best way to, to put what I, in, into that regard because I love jazz music, I love funk, I love rock, I love R&B, I love country, I love spoken word. I mean, classical music, I played in a concert band for a number of years. Wow. Reggae, you know, any like I played in an African band, like jazz ensembles, stage bands, you know, I, I, I always learned something mm -hmm. in the process and it always pushed me to learn in, in, a, in a completely different way. And sometimes, you know, through mistake, which is, the, which is usually the best teacher of all because you, you start to look at things in a, in a different way. So I, I, I try not to put too much thought in, and, and, and measure or scale on what I do. I, I, I think of, you know, you know, Keith Richards, sometimes I've heard talk about this, or Tom Waits, the American singer-songwriter, um, where, you know, a catalyst is one idea, but trying to force your way through it is not always the best thing. Mm -hmm. Listening to what the catalyst is saying is your job to try to, you know, summate what all that is in some kind of a way. So, I, I, you know, if it comes out like a country number, okay. If it comes out like an R&B number or a funk tune, I'm good with it because it's, it's, I'm learning. I'm always learning in that process. Right, right. And actually that philosophy that you just mentioned, that actually applies to all facets of the life, really, doesn't it? Well, yeah, that's what's amazing. I, I uh, beautifully said, um, I, you, I, as we get a little older, we start to, you know, circumnavigate things about, you know, the bigger picture in our own existence and how we tactically respond in those things. Um, and for me, as a dyslexic, I, I struggled immensely academically as a young person and all through high school. So tactically, you know, three-dimensionally, this is why I gravitated to this environment. Um, and and it, it, it makes sense to me because just like you said, I now see it in so many other facets 
of what I do in my life and how I overcome a problem, how I enjoy something, how I present myself, my language, whatever it may be. So I, I yeah, it's it, it's kind of amazing in that regard because you, you see it everywhere all of a mm -hmm. sudden. Then you start to go, I feel more connected to myself that way. Right. Because I, I understand more about it. And you, you don't always sitting there thinking about the process, but but you, you it's a feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Anything, absolutely. And I tend to have this feeling that you're a person who goes by their feelings and their intuition a lot. I, I have to. I mean, <laughs> I speak with, I talk with my brother quite often about this because, you know, we grew up on a farm and, and anybody, you know, who spent any time farming, it can be a dangerous life. Mm. <laughs> There's a lot of things that can kill you yeah, there's yeah. there's 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 things everything from large animals to machinery to incredible heights to you know all kind of circumstances so uh, there's this sort of heightened sense of perception that i notice that that my family has in general because of that and feeling almost precognitively about how things are, are occurring sometimes it it becomes this wait a minute something's going to happen here but where it really starts to show itself, and I know it's like kind of like, well, you know, after the fact, but it, it, and it may not be immediate. It may take years for it to, to settle in as that, as that recognition for what actually occurred. Mm -hmm. But it, uh, yeah, so much of, you know, what I do is emotionally driven, um, maybe to the point of a fault, but at the same time, I'm really happy with it. I'm really happy with it. Well, it's your passion and your emotions that drive your work and it's who you are. It's just part and parcel of who you are and, and I really get that feeling quite strongly. I really like the music of yours that I've listened to. I really like your beat. You have a really, I don't know, I'm not a musician, but I just know what I like. And, and I really like a really good, strong beat. And your music seems to have that. It's almost grounding, actually, in oh, some wow. respects. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I think we're all drummers at heart. Eh? How often have you been walking down the street, you know, or somewhere, and you find yourself in that pace? True. And, and it's almost leading you, you know. Um, I, the, you know, a classic to say and, and maybe, you know, pointing it out right but the heartbeat you know it's beating in us every day day and night uh, the, the the pulse of a day even how the flow of a day works you know there, there's all there's there's a lot of rhythmical connections to to life and and they're always happening i remember when i was living in new york last year i'd be just sitting on you know just off of broadway where my apartment was and I, and the sound of the city is so intense mm -hmm. but there's certain times where the chaos finds this synchronicity that you, you you start to go, my gosh, it's almost like an orchestration that couldn't, and it doesn't last long. Right. But, you know, or, or I remember times when we had a band house and, you know, it was like six musicians all living together with this jam space in the basement and everything. Okay. And, and, and people be working on different stuff and different like little rooms in the house. Somebody have the stereo on or whatever, and it'd be chaotic. But every once in a while, you'd be standing in the kitchen, and and for some you know magical reason, it would all just align 
rhythmically and, and melodically and harmonically it, it, through the chaos it would just find some strange little bit of symmetry just for a little moment in time um and 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 uh I, yeah, I, rhythm is the whole deal. I think that if you, you know, if you don't have rhythm, <laughs> well, it starts. Yeah. It starts with the planet we live on. She has her own rhythm and her resonance that she lets off that we respond to. Absolutely, even the seasonal rhythms and changes. I feel it, uh, yeah. and I also feel feel its speed. Yes, as it changes as the cycles of life move through itself. You know. Okay. Uh, my, I remember being younger and hearing like grandparents or somebody or my mom or somebody say, you know, wow, where did the day go? You know, time is moving so fast, you know, and her perception of time in, in comparison to my perception of time, you know, is so different. And, mm -hmm. and, and it may have to do with, you know, a lot of other things that are going on in, 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 your, in your life. But uh, you're right. There is that rhythm, the rhythm of the tides, the rhythm of the moon. Uh, cosmically, there's they're, they're, the cycles themselves are, are staggering and divine in, in nature, and sometimes even hard to see because there's such long durations that it's you know generations and generations and generations mm -hmm. have to go before, by before they even realize what's going on. The conjunction that's happening on the 21st. I mean, yes. what that's the last time that happened was the 1600s. Yeah. So I think that with that said, and think of the technology that we have today to be able to look at what's going on. That's another thing that we're like, okay, you know, Haley's Comet is another thing that comes to mind in, in its cycle, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, eventually that comet will no longer be there. It will yeah. be stripped of its source and, 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 it, and it, will it will be gone. But that's another cycle. That, that is a part of the, the grander scheme of things that, you know, all things come to pass. Very interesting. Now, um, and it's true, everything is cyclic or cyclic or however you pronounce it, like our, our lives, our, the rhythm of birth and death and who we are and the changes, it's all energy and it's all bound together it's very very interesting have you ever looked into quantum physics at all i have and and it's funny because through some of the um astronomy astrology and and like cosmographic programs that i'm watching i've sort of been been turned on to some people through different podcasts and talks just you know it comes up in the feed and you're like oh what's this Wow, you know, and then you're you're sort of stupefied for the next hour and a half because it's fascinating in information. I'm, I'm I'm like, yeah, yeah. I lo absolutely love quantum physics, and whenever I think about rhythms and energy and stuff like that, quantum physics always comes to my mind because it sort of ties it all together in a way. Yeah, and you know, this is the thing about rhythm too. Is like. You know, we understand that there's, there's this there's this there's this harmony to rhythm, that it has a flow. Mm. If, for instance, if we're listening to a beat or something, you know, we know when the beat is broken, mm. and and if you know if the beat is broken uh, permanently, or if the beat has been fixed or altered, um, and there's always a slight fluctuation mm. in in it that is so insignificant that the per human perception doesn't really realize it. In fact, it's more part of the organic nature 
of the cycle of those things. Like if you're in a huge drum circle somewhere, right. it, it, it is, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're in there and everybody's doing what they're doing, but there, there's this subtle give and take. It's not so like a machine, like a piston, although that has its own sort of rhythm in itself. But what's interesting to note about that is when things sort of come way off kilter and, 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 and you cannot help but not notice like, hey, you know, the beat is broken. Something, yeah. something has proverbially fallen apart here. You, you start looking at what, what, what that actually is. And you're talking about cycles through like numerology and a number of different things that I've been looking into. I've, I've been fascinated by time. Uh, time counting, where time sits today, what we evaluate that time on, and where does it sit in the grand scheme of what the cosmos considers important. Right, right. Right. In our, in our own cyclical sort of movement of things in the cosmos, where we sit, um, you know, it's fascinating to me as sort of like an amateur anthropologist to sort of go... You know, there's so much mathematical, like, correctness to ancient people's understanding of star movement, time, position, degree, everything that sort of, you know, gives them an idea of where they sit and why they sit there. Why? And I ask myself, like many other people, why is it that they spent so much time in those calculations trying to understand what those cycles were? Interesting to note through a lot of my sort of classes that I've been taking that, you know, the concept of nine, you know, the, the, I, I, I've never felt like some, a number, like divinity from a number before, but this is definitely one of those numbers that I just go, oh my gosh, it's like, it's everywhere. I can't, I, I'm like, I'm staggered by like, it's, it's cycles and where it superimposes itself, even into like astronomy. So um, with that said, if we look at our calendar, so ancient peoples, you know, considered our calendar to actually be a 360-day calendar, and inside of like the gestation period of a, of a human being, which is nine months, you know, it, it, you all of a sudden have something that comes along that says we are going to alter time. Right. And with the instating in, in of, of standardized time, you, you then all of a sudden have a calendar shift that says we're going to begin in a different place at a different time based on a new calculation. Pagan people actually considered those five strange days inside of the system to be non-days. They were non-participatory. We shouldn't be doing anything inside of what those five days actually represent. But it's interesting to note that if you think about those five days now being so prevalent as part of our 365-day calendar, and you start doing the math on as to when, where, why, and how those things were changed, the calendar is so offset mm -hmm. as to what truly the higher time in terms of cosmological time, what ancient people were extremely concerned with, by many, many years. Mm -hmm. now, 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 whether or not that's a good thing or not, what I'm getting at is that when you're in that drum circle and you feel the rhythm fall apart, Right. It's the same thing inside of the calendar. There's times that where I'm questioning certain things environmentally, uh, certain things that are happening sociologically, uh, in a bigger umbrella to everybody on the globe, and wondering if it has something more to do with the fact that, you know, there are these offset 
things in the calendar that we know nothing about. So that's why we can't control them or understand them mm. or, or overcome a, a lot of those kinds of things maybe that our ancient ancestral people had the ability to do, especially on a, on a, on a, on a level that's far more, you know, subliminal. Right. Because I also believe in, in the subliminal in nature. You know, subtle energy, I think, comes off of everything from a forest to an animal. Absolutely. So uh, mm. how that how we interact with it is no different than the way that cycle interacts with our solar system inside of the cosmos, inside of, of everything. And, and, and I'm a big believer in scales and variance. So that feeling of projection can actually go through those processes. You know, Ravi Shankar, you know, once said that every note you play will vibrate forever. So make it last and make it right, make it real, make it truthful. And, and whatever we pump out into the ether through that cycle can be good or bad. So that's why I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm wondering what it all represents. Right. Even subatomically, how does it affect things subatomically? That's very interesting. I personally have had a lot to do with star people my entire life. And one of the things that they taught me is about energy and vibration and the power of energy and the power of vibration, which is really what you're talking about in, in a different terminology, but it's the same sort of thing. It's the energy that flows through everything. Yes. In fact, it's funny that you say that because I was thinking about what is that unit? That was created by his name is George. What's his last name again? Out in Utah. It's that dome. He was given like projections from people oh. from the stock. Uh, it's called like the Energy Tron or yeah. But but I was thinking about it today. You're bringing it up, and that actually coincides with that same feeling of flow of thinking. There's so often where I'm thinking about things arbitrarily. I don't know why, but then later they start to show themselves as, well, that's why you were thinking about it. Oh, interesting. So uh, serendipitous, perhaps? Yeah, but more, I think, connected yeah. to that flow that you're talking about Correct. that that is, that, that is in everything. Some people, Correct. I think, can be so connected to it that they're, how, how do you do that? How, how did that happen? Is that a fluke? Right. It's a coincidence? I don't think so. It can't. I, it's just staggering. I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. You have a, a huge interest in the paranormal and in, in, in UFOs. Is that correct? Yes. Have you had any personal experiences yourself? Personally, I've seen things with people by myself, insignificant, although questionable, but my family's allegory has a, a fairly in-depth and well-documented circumstance that occurred in, in, in the 60s. Uh, in connection with star people, on. Pardon me? In connection with star people. In connection with UFOs, yes. Yes, the, I got that feeling. It's my understanding that, uh, that star people follow certain family genealogical lines. I would agree, and, and I've heard this before, and I've actually, it's funny. I've spoken to my mom because, I mean, a part of where, 
part of where I, my fascination lies in, in, in this is the fact that, you know, as a young person, I mean, having my grandparents living with us, so it's eight of us all in this little farmhouse, you know, dinner table talk was storytelling or, you know, this happened, that happened and the trials and tribulations of the day, obviously. But, um, you know, experiences that my grandmother had in Europe and grandfather had in Europe. My grandmother was a very staunch believer in the power of intent. She, she even was, I would call her into Wicca mm -hmm. and could cast spells. Uh, you know, it was something she, she wholeheartedly believed in. At the same time, you know, my, my family seemed to have a lot of circumstances of strange phenomena that occurred all and are still occurring today. Right. Uh, and, and I, and it, to answer your question about you know, yes, I think perhaps there's something in, in, I don't know, the genetics of who we are. Uh, are we, am I being tracked? I, I don't know. But what I do know is that I have a heightened sense of perception when it comes to things so much so that sometimes I'm aggravated by people's lack of perceptional and peripheral cognitive ability right. to, to the point that I, I get frustrated by it sometimes. Right. And, and that sometimes another reason why actually, you know, I write music and, and, and play things because it's so meditative and it sort of releases me from, from a lot of that stuff. But you know, the, the experience my family had, was a big part of like, well, no, this happened. This isn't like, you know, we're making this up just to pull you on the string. We're, we're telling you this because it's part of what happened to us. Right. Are you able to? And I, 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 you know, I wasn't here, but, you know, two of my sisters, my brother, my grandparents, my mom, they were all uh, involved in this thing that lasted for quite a while. So uh -huh. I cannot help but not think, well, why would they lie to me, you know? And then having affirmation and confirmation from reputable newspapers and an observatory in an airport all give you validation correct can are you able to share what that experience was at all yeah i mean i'm, I'm not ever embarrassed to talk about it or ever ashamed or anything like that people are like whoa you know it has nothing you yeah. know mm -hmm. it's 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 something that was so strange that that you, you you know you cannot help but not question it right you know and and talk keep talking about it like you know so mm -hmm. it, it was basically november and it was uh, 1968, and my mom was making uh, dinner, and everybody was kind of hanging out in the house. And our farmhouse, the way that it was, you know, the, the big kitchen, small little living room, and then, you know, the upstairs bedrooms, and there's like an attic with another little bedroom, and then a basement. The basement was kind of finished with like TV down there, mm -hmm. you know, we could go hang out down there and play cards and cribbage and all sorts of stuff. So this, my mom, she all of a sudden, she heard like the pipes rattling, like in the old, in the sink and things like that in the kitchen. And, and, and she thought, oh, something's wrong with the, the pump, the sump pump in the basement. So she goes down to the basement and slides this little door open where the pump is. And the pump isn't even running. And so she comes back up the stairs and the staircase gave way to this bay window that was in the kitchen that the kitchen table was in front of that, you know, everybody was sitting around waiting for my mom to put dinner on the table. 
And, and my mom describes this as she, as she came up the stairs, she heard the windows vibrating and you know, the old windows with the jams, you know, they get, they play a little bit. Right. right. And, and, and as she got up to the top of the staircase where the window was, you know, it's the first thing you'd kind of see when you came to the top of the staircase, she thought an aircraft, the plane was going to crash into the house. Uh -huh. So she got, she fell to the floor on her knees and she said, everybody look, get down. Right. And, and, and everybody was like ducking and getting under the table. And so my mom looked up and she said, she said, she just, it was stationary. And she said, look out the window. So what everybody described was as such, it was a sort of like egg or oblong shape orb. And then the lower third of this orb was a, 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 a sort of, vacillating grouping of lights that wasn't any particular organized color or shape, but it seemed to be very fluid right. in a band around the, uh, the bottom of it. It was hard to look at because it was so bright, like mm -hmm. almost if you were looking at a welder and they were using an arc welder or mm -hmm. something, you know, you should be looking away because it has really intense. And, but when, so that's the perception. And that when they're looking away because it's so bright, they're realizing that in the evening, in the night, because it's November, this thing is so bright, but it's not casting any shadows. Mm. It's not casting any shadows of, of the of the trees or the little lamp post or anything that's in the yard. It's obviously it's it's self-contained light source of some kind that isn't even projecting light. It's just light. Right. But it's it's in this it's in this ball-like orb shape. And this is all lasting about 15 to 25 seconds. Then my mom said they watched this thing move up over top of the barn very slowly. And then she said it was almost like a bouncing ball, very slowly in slow motion that started moving to the southeast, which towards the little town of Pickering in Oshawa, where I live here in Ontario. And, and almost like it was following the topography of the land or something like that. But... The, the, the irony was is that where part of the investigation comes in is because my dad, who was a public servant, was at a council meeting and had come home and my mom was like freaking out and everybody in the mm. kitchen and everybody was, you know, and he's like, what's going on, right? And my mom was trying to tell him and he's like, oh, you're, you're crazy, da, 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 like he didn't believe me. Mm. So the very next day, what does my mom have up with the local town papers, which also have reports from the local little airport that has Cessnas and things like that, uh, tracking these unidentified flying objects, six of them in the area over the course of that, that evening. Uh, and, and, and as well, a report from the observatory, the David Dunlop Observatory, that was also affiliated with the University of Toronto that wasn't too far from where we were. So my mom was like, see, look, I, I, I told you, I told you, right? And, and that's all, all was all a part of it. And to this day, and my mom, she's 84, you know, we keep talking about it. We, we're going to go down to the Toronto Reference Library because this has come up so often over so many years mm -hmm. to, to get on a, 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 um, a film strip machine, to go back to start looking through the Rolodex of newspapers, uh -huh. to look for those clips and articles to have as part of like, well, here it is. This well, that's is what a, we told you. What, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Yeah. Family history. Yeah. 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 So that, that's basically what it was. And, 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 and you know, I wasn't even a thought then, <laughs> but nonetheless, it, it still, it still rings true because it, it, I mean, everybody was, yeah, no, this happened. I, I, I saw it. I saw it. Yes. No, this happened. Da, 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 da. Yeah. No, dad didn't believe us. Right. Da, 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 you know, 
Wow. And have your, has your family, have you uh, had any experiences since then? With aerial phenomenon, I would say that it's been, it's, it, the things that I have seen are definitely not anything that I could classify as an aircraft, like a normal aircraft. Mm-hmm. They, they seem to be, one night I was with my wife, we were watching the Big Dipper, and all of a sudden one of the stars in the Dipper just, it, it was like it was, there was another light over top of it that wasn't moving, and then all of a sudden it started to move. Right. And it and moved off to the northwest, and I was I was alarmed. I was coming home with my sister in law, and my dad, and mom, and brother were at a hospital. So we were moving from one barn and a farm property to another, and my sister in law was bringing me basically back right. to to my house. And when we had come in the driveway, I had noticed again to the northeast this really. It was a very bright, brilliant red ball. Um, and if you stuck your hand out, you know, and you put your thumb up or whatever, it, probably your thumb, the, it was about the size of your thumbnail, you know, but at the distance it had to have been two kilometers. Wow. So it was, it was quite big, but the center of this thing was white, almost like a swirly candy, but not, you know, any kind of particular swirl, it just seemed very foggy and, and white in the center of right. it. And it, what was interesting about it is that it was vibrating like this and moving like laterally like this. It was moving from the sort of east, northeast to the sort of west, southwest. And as it was vibrating, it would all of a sudden just go up really quick. Mm. And it'd still be like vibrating and then it would come down and then go back for a little bit and then move forward really fast and stop. And then just be sitting there vibrating, then drop a little bit, then go up quickly, then come back on it. Like just haphazardly moving in these strange sort of ways all the time, kind of carrying on this vibrating red profile. So I immediately, I, 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 I jump out of the car and, and I, there's a pine tree line to the edge of this field line that was along the edge of our drive. And, and, I, and I'm in the tree line and I'm watching it. And I, I'm I'm so I'm I'm elated, terrified, excited, so intrigued that I I'm part of me wants to run out towards what this thing is, and at the same time I I want to retreat mm-hmm. back to the car. So I sort of take a step back, and I'm like calling my sister-in-law, Lynn, Lynn, come here, come here, come here. And she won't get out of the car. Mm. She refuses to get out of the car. I'm like, come here, come here. She says, no, no, no. And she shuts the door. And I'm like, okay, so I guess I'm on my, my own. And, and I watched it for about another minute and a half, and it kept sort of doing this strange ball-like up and down thing very slowly sometimes, right. as I said, very angular. And it just kept moving off to the west. And eventually I lost it in, in a tree line. Um, and I'm... I came back to the car and we drove back to the house. I told my grandmother what had happened. She was sitting there like, mm. you know, and my sister-in-law, she just didn't want to talk about it. To this day, she, she, she doesn't want to talk about it. She refuses to talk about it. But I, I don't, again, I, you know, I, this is what's interesting about the times that I've had these kinds of experiences, all sort of forms of paranormal that, that, 
I'm, I'm so amazed mm. in, in the moment. And sometimes, as I mentioned before, sometimes it, it's, it's sheer fear. And, but at the, and on the other side of things, it's, it's so fascinating what has just occurred that mm. you, you're having trouble pro processing it. Yeah. I, I, I just also want to say that with that inside of that part of that world of, 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 of those things that have occurred to me, that flow of what we were talking about before through everything, I've felt the same occurrences just in my living environment in nature. Right. I've, I've been in the garden working. I grow a lot of vegetables. Uh, hear all this buzzing out of the field comes hundreds of bees following a queen to make a new hive. Wow. I'm humbled, staggered, elated, excited, enthralled, mm. you know, practically fall to your knees kind of moment because you had the privilege of witnessing something like that. Yeah. It ha it's, a, it's akin to the same kind of feelings and flows that are in those experiences, the, those sides of the paranormal. And the fear part of it is like, you know, I've been almost a part of the food chain dealing with a black bear that's been like this close to my tent and my dog going crazy in the middle of the mm. night, trying to chase it away through the forest with my grandfather's old bayonet from the First World War. Like, oh. you know, it all has that same impulse yes. And, yes. And, and, and feeling to, to the same thing. So when you're talking about perception and understanding it, this is where they marry for me. Mm -hmm. in, in, in being able to even feel or understand more about what it is when it's happening to me. Right. Because I'm very aware of what it is even in my, in my three-dimensional present environment of just something as simple as bees or a bear. Right. Um, you know, so, so I, 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 I'm always looking at what that is because it's even saying something to me, even that, the perception of that is even saying something to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty... It seems to me like like you are very in tune with uh, your environment. You're in tune with what you feel. Well, it's not so, and and you recognise it. Whereas a lot of people don't recognise. They they see it and they can admire it, but they don't recognise the energy behind it. Whereas you, you do. Well, I think a lot of people do, Marianne. I'm not consciously. You know, I, 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 no, maybe not consciously, but you know, I've seen it in children that mm, aren't yet children. as as colored yet by the, by the box of who you need to be and all of those other things. Correct, correct. I've seen it in other musicians, artists, people that are so moved by a situation that they're brought to tears. Yes, I, I'm not afraid to let that part of me flow through me because mm. in some of those moments I have been brought to tears mm. that humbling moment of the experience mm. for me as I said a big part of the the teaching aspect of it to, to almost not want to be open to it seems like heresy to me in, in a way right yeah, yeah. Um, and if you say people might not recognize it even though it's happening they're just not they haven't been open to it yet or they have that potential great Correct. Or they've been taught not to be open to it. Right. As so, right. Many, so many of us are, unless we have families um, like your grandmother. Now, I'm going back to your grandmother about the intent. 
that's something that I that's something that my style people really taught me strongly is that intent is everything absolutely everything and that's something that I constantly say to members of my Facebook group to uh, I talk about it all the time on the podcast intent is everything it is it's passion it's uh I even saw it in my family's enthusiasm for growing food Absolutely. You know, we had a large farm and, and animals, um, you know, 1,500 acres. We had immense vegetable gardens. My, at one point, my parents' vegetable garden was two acres. Um, wow. But, the t- but the, it, you know, the people said, well, that's a lot of work. Everything that, that happened on all of that, it, the, that land, was passion-driven. Exactly. It's something that what we, my, we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And my mom always instilled into me, she always would say, look, Edward, I don't care what it is that you do, so long as that you're happy and you're passionate about what it is. Even though, like, you know, she's staying in the choir and stuff, but my dad was tone deaf and whatever. She may not have completely <laughs> understood still, what, 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 um, what I was doing, but she knew I loved it. Yes. And that, and that somehow through, you know, just being there when I needed her, especially dealing with a, a learning disability oh, uh, and I hate even calling it a disability because I think dyslexia and, and a lot of those things that we call disadvantages can be actually gifts. True. Um, I agree. I agree. That, that, you know, if, if even if you're a shoe salesman to a brain surgeon, so long as you're passionate about it, you'll be happy. And your mum's advice is exactly what I have always said to my children. It doesn't matter what you do. As long as you love it, as long as you're passionate about it, it doesn't matter if you sell shoes or if you're, like you said, a brain surgeon, it doesn't matter. What matters is your energy and intent that you put into it. That's right. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing I think too with the framework of like who, what, where and how we're supposed to behave today. There's so much iconography going on and 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 ego driven based things that people are always predicating, well, I'll never be as good as so and so because right. Right. image, 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 you know, it, there's it's so driven that way sometimes. But like you know, I'm always trying to point that I've had like I know artists that are backhoe drivers. Right. That are kindergarten teachers, that are dentists. Mm-hmm. They all have that sense of passion and artistry in them because it drives them. Right, absolutely. And I can relate to that. I can absolutely relate to that. And I can see how your experiences have molded you and created the way your life has gone. And I can see I can actually well even if I couldn't see I can feel your passion your energy just absolutely shines us but I have to say and it's so as soon as I could look in your eyes I thought I know you you're a kindred soul you know (laughs) there's like a a a soul-to-soul connection with people when they're on a certain path you know what I absolutely believe that and it's funny um I've been like reaching out to different people that I know in the in the medium world, right? That I, I really respect oh. their abilities and things like that. And it, it's funny, you know, the conversations that we've had. I can understand why spirit would be 
really interested in wanting to connect with them right. to communicate with somebody else because they are like that mm -hmm. and no different in the in the physical that those people are you know hard not to want to talk to yeah they, they give off a certain energy and 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 and, and a light and at the same time it's also so it's also you know, important to remember that, you know, with that also comes a great amount of res you know, responsibility and, and, and not only responsibility for the moment and, and everything else, but even for yourself, respect for yourself to be able to say, you know, I need to, I need to shut down for a while mm -hmm. as, as, as who and what I am and what I do. Mm -hmm. It takes an incredible amount of my time mm -hmm. and, and energy. Sometimes, you know, I make, you know, four hours a night, doing what I'm doing between just a regular household lifestyle, yes. what I'm doing with my own family and, and at the same time being me at Roman mm -hmm. and, and not just being that personality, but being creative going, you know, in a, it, to a place where I don't feel like there's, you know, there is no contravity there. I don't, I don't want to, I want to feel like I'm working because I have to work. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm working because I want to, and in those moments, I need to find those spaces to remember I need to shut off sometimes because I, I feel drained. I get, I get really, I get really drained. And I, that's why I guess why I was talking to my medium friends about it because, you, you know, remember, shut the phone off, shut the internet off, Great. give yourself eight hours or 10 hours and don't be worried about who's going to judge you for taking those eight or 10 hours off because you'll just, you'll, you'll fizzle out. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually medium too. And... There you go. <laughs> you know what I'm getting. I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying. And so, you, of course, you know about grounding. You know about yes. that. So, um, it, I always say to people, it's particularly women, but actually anybody creative, is that you need to take care of yourself. You can't give to people from an empty cup. So, you have to refill your cup. Take the time out for yourself. Ground yourself. Do what brings you joy, what inspires your passion, and then you have so much more to give to people. Absolutely. And you know what? That was the hardest thing was not mm. feeling the guilt of it because mm. I like giving. I like mm. being there in that moment. But at the same time, I also have to go, wait a minute, you know, like your leg hurts, you got a right. sore arm, you know, you haven't slept enough. Whoa, geez, you haven't eaten in 48 hours. Uh -huh. Like, yeah. that's crazy. You know, and people are like, wow, you know, he's, he's, he, I'm go, go, go all the time. So I, that it was the, it was even talking to other people about the, the guilt of it. It's not about saying no or that you're not going to be there or be assistive or any of those other things. It's about saying, like you said, yeah. you can't give an empty cup yeah. to, to people. So I find cooking, food, gr like right now, it's in the middle of winter and I have snow on the ground, but I literally have a tent of tomatoes and an avocado wow. plant growing in a fig tree and peppers because I, I have to do it. That's part of what I've realized Great. I need to connect with continually right. every right. day. I, I totally, I totally understand that. I totally get that. That's your grounding, and that keeps you, yeah, yeah, yeah and that keeps you connected in the here and now. And you know, the more grounded you are, the more spiritual you can be, because it's all about balance. Yeah, you know, and 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 what I've also realized too is because it's crazy, because I am also so and thinking. At alarming speeds sometimes. 
And, and, and with that said, my activity then mm. reflects that, that it's hard for then sometimes for me in that process to connect right. with spirit unless I become extremely physical. Uh, what, what, I'm, what I'm starting to do now is, is like getting my right. cardio up and getting my juices going. So I'm like, ah, and, my, and I'm almost like getting all that out of me. So that when I come to a calm point, my heart rates come down again. That's another like huge <laughs> moment where I feel right. like I'm really connecting on that spiritual level because my mind is not thinking at Truth. a million miles an hour because I've just spent it through all my And also, activity. actually, that's a form of meditation. Absolutely. A, a, lot, a, a lot of people will feel that you can only meditate by sitting and going, mm, you know. But no, no. Meditation can be as simple as as gardening, as washing the dishes, as going for a walk. It, you don't have to sit and clear your mind and do all these things that gurus tell you have to do. We meditate constantly during the day, but people don't recognize that that's what they're doing. Right. I, I, how many times have you just stared mm. into a fire? You know, you might have like a bowl of cereal or something, and then just thoughts and thoughts and thoughts. The subconscious is coming up. It's interacting, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, 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 all these things. That's where it's like, even in, like, I love yeah. water. Water for me, even as my as my as my astrological symbol is mm. Cancer, you know, having that water symbol as part of that, uh, I've I've there's been some really great information that has come out right. in the bathtub, right? You know, and I and I just get I get super yeah. excited to get out and like <laughs> and start writing writing it down, and I don't want to lose it. Like I've even like and. I, I, and here's the thing. I've said to myself, like, should I take a pad or like a dictation machine or something like in there? But, but what I'm doing is like I'm I'm making those feelings that are really coming to me. I'm forcing myself to think them over and over again so they stick in right. a different way. Because ly lyrically presenting uh, lyrics and the idea of what an, the the idea means is not. It can't be just flat. It, you know, delivering information for me is character-driven. Right. So how I make it stick in terms of language is really important to me. As a dyslexic, using those things and those things to my ability in terms of a photographic memory, and, and that's why a lot of times I won't. So not not until later when the idea is sort of coming in through stream of consciousness down do I start editing and looking at the, the sort of higher form of, of the piece, right? But man, I tell you, water is one of those rechargers as well too for, wow. for all of that wow that's very cool so you've had ufo experiences you come from a family that is very grounded in these uh more shadowlands type things that that the average person maybe might glance at but then just doesn't really pay too much attention to however that is changing these days fortunately more people are acknowledging the different realities that exist around us other than the one we're currently knowing of well that you know and that's it i think that um the recognition of it even for yourself this is what somebody a friend of mine had said to me mm -hmm. like who cares sometimes what other people mm -hmm. think about your experience like they're just playing the devil's advocate in that sense because mm -hmm. it means something to you 
And with that said, even the experiences in my own family, they've all been the forger of that very energy that makes you feel that connectedness. Maybe that's how it relates to people want being drawn to us because we, we have that sense yes. of affirmation. My, my grandmother, you know, what an amazing woman. She spoke eight wow. different languages. She could, she could tune a car. She did, she could do the timing on an engine with a screwdriver. Oh, wow. You know, she raised three kids, moved from a different country, immigrated during some of the worst times in the depression, uh, learned to speak the language, you know, scrub floors for a dollar a day for Mr. Heinzman, mm-hmm. who was a piano from the Heinzman Piano Company. You know, this like a charmed woman, but charmed because of her experiences that mm-hmm. she recognized mm-hmm. and realized. Now, my grandmother's brother, his name was Erzy, which is sort of an old Slovenic name. It's like early today, almost like right, right. or early. He was born with all of his hair and teeth. And at the age of one was wow. already speaking. And he was considered the either divine child in the village or the child that was mm. like cursed. Because he was so brilliant at such a young age and could communicate with adults and young children alike, people saw it as some it's a phenomenon, right? And and he, from the time that he could speak would say, here's what's going to happen. At the age of 11, I'm going to die. I'm going to go over to that apple tree over there. There's a little bench. I'm going to lie down there in a, in a suit that you buy for me. You haven't bought it yet, but I'm going to put it on, and I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to die when I'm 11. And he would even go get the kids from the village and practice his own funeral. Mm. Like, that's dark, dark stuff. This is what I remember my grandmother telling me. Well, lo and behold, what happened at the age of 11 is that Ergy went to that apple tree, laid down on that little bench and expired. So all of that has this this gravity for me. And, And my grandmother telling that story is one thing. Thinking that I had a person in my family that predicated their own death, you know, And it it becoming this form of, like, as I said, arsenal allegory, however you want to frame it, is the the very fuel that kept my mind open about the possibility of, again, another one of those things. So, you know, I remember as a young kid, you know, doing different things and whatever, and people would say, hey, Ed, come on over here, tell your story about blah, 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 blah. It was almost my rite of passage in the weirdest of ways because I had so much, so many issues as a dyslexic kid and self-esteem issues that were driven by right. poor teachers and a system at the time that really just didn't understand it no, in the 1970s. Yeah. Like music, my, my, my connectiveness to my paranormal environment was another one of those things that, like mm-hmm. I said, it was a rite of passage that allowed me to communicate in a, in a different way. And, and maybe in some ways, without knowing it, opened up a lot of my friends to the idea that possibility mm-hmm. could exist. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got to say, before we go any further, that when you were talking about your uncle, about him, or your grandmother's brother, about him lying on the bed. Brother, yeah, yeah. I just had this deja vu moment. It just like hit me and I thought, oh my God, I've heard this before. 
I've seen this before. Yeah, I just had this deja vu. I wrote it down on my pad. It just like shocked me because it's not often I get deja vu. I mean, I get a lot of other things, but but I absolutely recalled that clearly. The telling of the 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 kid line on the bench. There you go. I saw you take off your glasses, so it must have been part of like the whole. Like, you, you were going through it. I thought, oh, did I say something wrong? Because I think you're both. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, it was that was quite profound for me. Actually, it was quite profound for me. Well, wow, wow. Well, and maybe you know you were there at a different point in time, or or through the ether yeah. of re-explaining it. It all makes sense as yeah. a part of the world. Well, you know. Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. One of the things that I've been taught my entire life by my star people is that time does not exist outside of this reality as we know it. Time is not linear. Time does not exist. So, you know, it's very possible that I did see that. You're absolutely right. And even what you're getting at with that whole idea of dimensional physics and, and th this concept behind mm -hmm. the construct that like inside of that, that, you know, the idea of time not existing, that it's not something that's, you know, linear in, in, in any way, shape or form. That is a big part of probably why deja vu or other things like even cognitive abilities to be able to understand, wait a minute, there's danger mm -hmm. around the corner. Uh, you know, how does a young child tap into the energy of the system to lift a vehicle off of their exactly. wounded yeah. parent? All of these things that are erase the idea that physics says, yeah. well, no, that can't be done. It's yeah, a three-year-old yeah. child shouldn't be able to lift the front yeah. end of a vehicle, right? But again, it, it, it is, I've had those too, even in writing. Where I, I'm getting even now thinking about the experiences where literally shivers are coming. You know, I get this all, it feels like a blue jet of energy that's coming out of the top of my head where I can, the, the, it, everything starts to unfold in this kind of way of like, like you're like, of course, of course, how, you know, you get slapped across the cosmic face in, in the weirdest of ways. And you get so excited that, you know, you're, you're almost bursting with ideas and energy because, and then, you know, and that's what's so exciting yeah. about it is that you, that, that you are realizing yeah. that it's occurring and that you, you want yeah, it to yeah. keep happening, you know. It's yeah, a beautiful, beautiful thing. I did, I did a podcast episode in my first season. Our conversation isn't part of my sixth season. And that podcast is, it still remains to this day one of my most listened to episodes. It's called um, A Glitch in the Matrix, A Holographic Reality. And and that's when I go into quantum physics. And I, I did about like 60 hours research for the show. It's like writing the thesis because I wanted to get the information correct for people. And, and plus it was teaching me. And I discussed deja vu in it as perhaps being uh, alternate reality, like a different timeline. Uh, there's so many theories going. It's so interesting. There's just so much out there. There's just so much to learn that sometimes, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. I want, I want to know so much, you know. It's, you feel like a sponge sometimes. Well, here's the – I have to ask you now a question. So did your, did your paranormal experiences 
lead you into physics or the opposite way? My paranormal experiences lead me into physics, yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Because same th- with myself included, all of those things led me more into into those more what you would say, you know, foundated yeah. in, in an idea that you can like mathematically write down yeah. and say yes, no. And this is where I've asked myself then when you're like, you know, we're talking about people being turned on to what that is or in their own experiences, doesn't have to be the same, obviously, and that would be the heresy anyway. But how is it that you that you you do then turn them on to understanding it in that way? Because it's the me questioning it that has guided me through it. And and, and even in times where I, I was doing some classes, some music therapy classes, and I'd be talking about different things that were going on with my students, and I'd be trying to talk about, you know, different dimensional sort of comprehension mm-hmm. and, and trying to just, just describe like, okay, well, if, if, if this is a wire, you know, and, and there's an ant that's crawling along the wire, right? And, and this, this wire is at a distance, like on a telephone pole, right? To me, my perception is, well, I see the wire, I see the two telephone poles and this black line through the horizon that I see moving across right. my visual spectrum. The ant that's on that wire sees this big, big dark, mm. black thing that it's crawling on with maybe green, in my case, white, because it's winter, there's probably no ants there anyway, and maybe blue and green, and they have no perception of what that is, other than it's maybe blue and green, if they can even see those colors and spectrums, I'm not an entomologist, so I don't know. But anyway, but they, he can't even see me looking at him, because he's on the wire and I'm at a distance, I'm nothing to him, but I'm in the exact same dimensional right. space as that ant. We cannot perceive one another at that moment exactly. in time. And, and, and even like, so dimensional physics is saying there's the possibility of these le- 11 different sort of drawers mm-hmm. of things that can potentially even cross-reference mm-hmm. themselves that are happening right now that you cannot interact with in the physical, like, I'm going to go touch that strange orb gas-like shape on Venus right now. Right. I can't do it because I don't know. But I know enough to understand that the potential of it exists because of what I know about the ant right. wire in me. So how, how do you then turn other people onto that excitement of what it is? Because I think there's also something other than the physical aspect of understanding it, a bigger part of our spiritual development that is connected to the understanding of it. Also, even just the relinquishment mm-hmm. of older stuff and baggage that we need to, we need to, to, to forget about so we can mm-hmm. move forward in a, in a newer hyperdime sort of reality of it. Because that, I think we're, we're, we get kind of stuck here in envelopes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, you bring up some really interesting points. One of the things that my star how my star people explained a bit of that to me is like this like an onion skin okay this is what they did for me i was sitting i saw myself sitting on this bench talking to this star person and i said to him why didn't you tell me this before this is where my memory kicks in why didn't you tell me this before and he said well because before you weren't ready for it now you are and then at that instance he he put these 
pictures into my mind and in my mind's eye I saw this giant hand come down at the sky and re- pick up the two of us like we were a piece of dust put us in his pocket and then that vision expanded to another vision and another vision on top of that and what he was showing me was that re- the realities that you were talking about the 11 realities are like an onion skin we're in the core and each reality is another layer of the onion skin absolutely yeah yeah and that and and the core can't always get to the skin and the skin always can't get to the core, but they exist in, in the whole spectrum of, of the onion yeah. itself. Right. Correct. Except sometimes. Then the next, then the next question I ask myself is that like, it are like, are we supposed <laughs> to know? Is there something, is there something to the, to the living experience that, that feeds into the bigger part of the onion? Mm-hmm. That that maybe you know if we did know too much the onion wouldn't even be. <laughs> Whoa, that's kind of really mind expanding, isn't? It? <laughs> you know, you can you can really go into these subjects so deeply, and and they make you question everything. But going back to talking about how do you get people interested? Well, you get them to start questioning. I always say to people. You don't have to believe a single thing I say. Question it. You should always question. Question, question everything I tell you. See how it feels in your soul. See how it sits with you. How does it resonate with you? If it feels good, if it feels positive, if it raises questions that you can find answers for, then go and search them out. If it doesn't resonate with you, if it doesn't fit with you, then discard it. You've lost nothing but a few minutes of your time. Right. Well, yeah, and I think in, in, in how does it fit into the consequence of your life? Like, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I, I people like, you know, I, I like, I like, you know, a funny film. I like classic films. I like good direction. I like good character-driven, you know, plots and things that are, you know, but I'm I'm not, I've never been a real fan of you know like blow everything right. up all the time and da da da. I mean if it has it if it, if it needs to be there, okay. But if the entire film is about that you know or just always boom 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 change reality da 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 da. What I've what I've come to understand about you know being a cognitive sentient human being in the 21st century is that there's an alarming amount of information that can actually defocus you on trying to figure out. Like what what this information means to you and how how does it fit in the bigger right. part of your life? I live a pretty simple life. I mean, and I always kind of have. I, we have, you know, live in an old farmhouse now. I lived in an old farmhouse when I was a kid. Uh, I've we've always grown food. I still grow food today. I I I, I want to get some animals, more mm-hmm. animals at some point in my life. Um, I, I, it's always something that I can do with my hands. If I can't do it, okay, then I'll, I'll figure out how to, how to get around it. Uh, but how the information in all of this stuff keeps wanting me to look is because it, like we, when we started talking at the beginning of the show, I'm always finding it fitting into this parts of my living environment in, in a way where I go, okay, well, this is why I want to keep searching. Mm-hmm. So somebody that, is continually inundated with stuff that, at the end of the day, maybe doesn't mean much. You know, uh, how do how do then do they practically utilize 
the gifts of the ether to their advantage in some way when their tools aren't even there because you know like i i i'm staggered like i'm kind of going to go off here but like you know some television that i've seen and i hate even you know calling it vision is is that mm. is awful it's terrible it's just junk it's and and there's so much ego driven based stuff just like yeah. in commercialism uh and and people aren't even really yeah. being yeah. themselves you know we're talking about where we are sit today in the 2020 and people wearing masks. Before it, that, many people wore masks, just different kinds of masks. Masks that really didn't, didn't allow them to really be who they need to be. Because I think that's a scary thing scary. for some people. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've, I've kind of learned through my disability that making a lot of mistakes, being criticized for it, uh, being in the music industry is not an easy cup of tea and a slice of cake it's a very difficult very difficult environment you know like many years ago it's like my dad going you know i don't want you to struggle and da, 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 da. dad 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 but it's through that it's through that struggle that, that i've that yeah. i've learned more through that if you don't have that personal struggle to be fearful enough to look at yourself and go i'm not happy with who i am you have to, you, uh, you know, and instead of placating yeah. with something material and going, mm -hmm. I'm happy now, just for like a little while, you know, they're, they're, they're used clothing stores and used places full of things that people, you know, wish that they got because it was going to make them feel better. And now it's just All collecting right. dust somewhere. What I can create with my hands every day, what I can do to make that bit of change, even if it's cleaning right. my toilet. Okay. I know it sounds no, crazy, you, but like I'm no, there's no shit there's yeah. there's no shame in it. Like you think of Buddhists, the temples that they keep and stuff like that, other than what they go through through meditation and prayer and everything, they spend a good deal of the part of the moment in every day cleaning temple. And a big part of that is 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 cathartic for me too, because it's also connecting me to thinking about all of yeah. that other stuff in a completely different way that isn't lodged in all, all right. this other stuff. So I feel I, I worry for people today because sometimes the amount of information is so intense and staggering, it erases your ability. And, to and how do you sift through it? That's the thing. It's recognizing what information is bullshit and what is information is actually relevant. Yeah. And when you were talking before, it reminds me of a, a Confucius saying that came out in the 70s because I'm a child of the 70s. Um, before Enlightenment, Fetch water, chop wood. After enlightenment, fetch water, chop wood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I gotta be weak. I gotta write this down. I got That's so Mr. Miyagi yeah, yeah, too, you know. Actually. It's like wax on, wax off, paint the fence, you still doing it, right? Chop wood. Oh, that's brilliant. You just that's great. Before and after. That's amazing. That, oh, that's going to end up in some lyrical <laughs> content somewhere. Oh, I'd love to hear it. You have to see me when you do it. <laughs> it'll be subliminal, but it'll be there. So, oh gosh. Oh, I have to get my thoughts together. <laughs> I just got completely sidetracked. That's great. Fetch water, chop wood, before and after. Before enlightenment, fetch water, chop wood. After enlightenment, fetch water, chop wood. A lot of people, when they first start to awaken on a spiritual level, 
think that everything's going to be life and love and positive and and they forget that they still have to live in this day-to-day reality and I think that's what that saying is it took me it actually took me until I was like in my a few years ago before I actually understood what that was about you know like you can be as spiritual as you want to be as you need to be, as you should be, but you still have to do the physical day-to-day things. Absolutely. I think it, that, it, the woo-woo-woo, you know, enlightenment, you know, that's the Hollywood version of, of, of what it is, right? But Correct. when I'm really connected to, to, to I feel good. Yeah. I just, I don't, I even know that the, the, the fire may be great, or some new hurdle is in front of us. Yeah. I still somehow feel like it's not that I don't care. It's it's that I I just feel like I can get through this. And it's funny when I used to listen to my grandparents talk about you know stuff that happened in the old country with the war and leaving and immigrating and family members being killed. Right. Uh, you know, my grandfather was shot a couple of times, escaped oh, from wow. prisoner war camps. It coming to a different country, dealing like my uh, uncle had polio, my mom had TB, like mm-hmm. just crazy stuff that they, that they, they I always remember being happy. Mm-hmm. I always remember them and my grandparents being happy because they were connected in that still old world way to their living environment that made yes. them go, well, we'll get through it, no problem. I make some coffee, you get the bread, we figure it out, you know, and we would. Yeah we, would. yeah. we would have to toil. There would be issues, things might break down, but in the end, we're stronger. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's part of what's been educated out of people deliberately is the being self-sufficient and taking responsibility for your actions. People these days I had an experience just a few nights ago and the spirit came to me and he was showing me these things and he says, do you know why I'm showing you these things? He was showing me things from my life, um, thing, experiences that I had had. And he said, do you know why I'm showing you these things? And I said, yes. Oh, he said, do you know what all these experiences were about? And I said, yes. I said, what they were showing me is that I need to take responsibility and accountability for all my choices and decisions that I've made in my life and that I cannot pass the blame on to anybody else for my choices. And today, we live in a culture where people don't take responsibility for their choices so much. They blame the government, they blame the weather, they blame tool that broke but they don't look at the decisions that they made that lead up to that. Absolutely. Even, even like, you know, you just hit like a button there because I'm, I'm very sociopolitically minded, but at the same time, um, the government, people have got, I mean, I've been the proverbial, you know, armchair politician. <laughs> and and I, don't, I don't like using that word because my dad was a public servant. Right. He was a devout public servant to the point that he was the mayor of our township for over 30 years. He was oh, wow. police com- police commissioner for 14 years. He was the chairman of our <clears> region <throat> for six. And he was the first ever coalition candidate in the history of Canadian federal politics. 
and he ran as an independent for our region and won. Mm -hmm. He hated the word politics, but he always would say the country will survive in spite of, despite the, of the politicians. Mm -hmm. If you want this country to be, uh, you know, what it is, you have to do it. You can't sit there and right. complain about it. And, and, and the change has to come from the populace. And, and, yeah. and educating a populace can be sometimes the hardest thing to do, especially when it comes to the, the multifacets and aspects mm -hmm. of what government represents today. It doesn't actually have to be that complex, mm -hmm. but we've made it that way. Mm -hmm. um, so, so with that said, yeah, there's, you can only blame yourself for saying, well, so-and-so got in this year, the Tories, such and such. Well, did you vote? Mm. No. Well, then how can you complain? Mm. You know, like it, even my dad would say, even if you hate any of the, you know, the, the, the leaders that are running for you, the party, spoil your ballot, son. That's yeah. your choice to, yeah. to be able to say, I don't agree with this. Mm. If you don't spoil your ballot, you're you're not worth the vote. You, mm. you, you have no right, right to say anything about it. Mm. And the same thing with the consequences of our actions. Sometimes we don't realize that, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're more greatly responsible for it than, we, than we'd like to blame somebody else for. Exactly, exactly. And that, when you were speaking, it, it brought a saying up to my mind that you've probably heard before, and that's be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. I mean, that in, in the, music has given me that, you know, I always... I, <laughs> I always call it the fantastic crime, yeah. you know, even, even in the song Red Omen, you know, I, I refer to it that people are like, why do you call it a crime? Like, you know, and in, in a cartoon, I'm almost in a courtroom talking to the judge about it because it, it has that, it has that feeling to it that I, I have that ability to, to vent, to, to release information in a certain way that maybe, most people don't get a chance to do and, and have poetic license in and philosophy inside of it that is, you know, like posting a, a, a grouping of 99 theses on the front door of a cathedral. Right. You know, it, it, uh, the people that motivated me in the past as writers had that gravity in the things that they were talking about. When Lenin, you know, we're coming up to the seasonal change here, you know, war is over. Right. It's over if you if you want the change to happen, but if you want to keep buying into the idea of what all this is, well, it's, you're feeding into it. Yeah. It's over if you want it to be, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are incredibly huge statements in a, an extremely violent culture. Mm, mm. By one person, you know, many people were talking about peace and love and everything like that, but, you know, what does he do? He turned big billboards all over the world. Like, I mean, a song, I mean, the movement behind what that all represented was immense. Mm. In fact, they were even trying to deport him, you know, as a result of, of what was going on. But, okay. uh, it, you know, it, it, I'm lucky, like, that I can commit that crime every day. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, your music is more than just music. You infuse energy into it, and people... And I'm talking not just energy as in, as in the beat and the tone, energy from your soul. I One of my most favourite sayings in the world is what comes from the heart touches the heart. And so the energy that you infuse out there touches people on a level, whether they recognise it or not, and they respond to that accordingly. And so oh, that makes 
their world a better place and that perhaps inspires them to do something that they might not consider doing or to do something for another person. You know, it's like a ripple effect. Well, that's what Ravi Shankar said, make every note count. I mean, I guess maybe that's one of the, the, the things that being emotionally connected so much, you know, it was one mm. of the things that drove my dad crazy, football player, you know, oh. all this, you know, you're so emotional, boy, you know, that he just didn't get it, but I love him. He's not yeah. here with us anymore, but I love him, and he loves me, and I we love him. He does, him. yeah. Um, he does. He truly does. I, I spoke to him the other day through a medium friend of mine, but, uh, you know, Carlos Santana once said that even if you play the same notes that a child would play, and you play them like you mean it, mm. it's a testament that you're greater than the sun. And intent, whether it be planting a potato or playing a note, is everything. 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 I love Carlos Santana. He is probably one of my favorite, all-time favorite musicians. He infuses the same energy into his work as you do into yours, and I feel it. Being a sensitive, you know, I feel that, that difference. But that what you said was very profound, very, very profound. So where do you see yourself going from here, Ed? What what sort of do you have any specific plans for future music or it's a bit hard at the moment to plan anything, isn't it? Because the the world situation is so volatile and uncertain. You know what? Uh-huh. Thanks for asking. And you've said some really beautiful things to me and I can't thank you enough because um, that's these, that those are my paychecks, my emotional paychecks and my spiritual paychecks, knowing that I'm connecting with people. Mm. Um, The other stuff is all material, Mm. but, but for me, I, I embarked on this writing project called a recipe for perpetual spring. Mm. And I become fascinated. If you know, if you're not aware of anything that's going on 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 Oak Island, here just off the coast of Canada, right? Like the, some of the things, like that, are, are rewriting history in mm-hmm. terms of like you know people coming to North America, and, and I'm not surprised because this isn't the first time I've kind of heard this in my sort of study of of, of history in the past. But um, I'm fascinated by what Bacon had written in the Selva Solarum what she's talking about, you know, digging this pit on the edge of a shore. He comes from this certain spot off the, I think it's off of Orkney. No, it's not off of Orkney again. It's maybe off the, where the cliffs of Dover are, where for many years, British people were mining tin and right. they were utilizing the shorelines to dig in on these sort of channels to go into the tin deposits to extract. And it was an elaborate way of mining but if right. the, the toil and tribulation of the process really learned a lot about fluid dynamics mathematics so many things that made it possible for them to be able to do what they were doing right. and and bacon had written this statement in the silver solarum about creating perpetual spring and 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 through this sort of poem about building this thing on the edge of this island what he's really alluding to in the poetry is that bringing these sort of devout ideas and, and disciplines together 
unifying them in some sort of like, you know, we're going to the moon kind of way, you know, everything from mathematics to rock, so many disciplines that were brought together in order to create this incredible event that occurred. It's the, I see what's going on for, for me with this project as something that will never stop. Mm -hmm. I would like to say, this is the complete album. Here it is a recipe for perpetual spring, but I, I just feel like with all of this happening, I just want to keep pumping out material yeah. and let it all fall where it may. But what I'm trying to push out there is about feeling, loving, thinking, trying to understand. Everything seems to have that with it. So I'm, I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. And I started thinking, kickling it to myself the other day going like, this is the album that never ends. It's the longest, <laughs> it's the longest record in history. The most amount of songs ever on one record. It's for the, the Guinness Book of World Records. And da da da, you know. And he's been continuing writing the same album for 30 years. You know, just like, just, just being crazy about it all. But I thought, you know, why the hell not? You know, just see what happens. So, so that's that's really like kind of my plan. I just I just get to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm lucky that I can still keep functioning and being creative in my studio and putting yeah. it out. I can't play live, which I'd like to do, but it's not going to stop me. You can, no, it's not going to stop you. You do what you can do with the tools at your disposal at the time. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Must be um, must be really hard for you. In New Zealand, we're so geographically isolated that life's pretty much going on as normal here, and we forget that there's this huge storm raging around us, and particularly for people like yourself, musicians and and the performing arts. So really, it, it must be very very difficult for you not to be able to, or you've had to adapt and do it in other ways. Well, you know what? It's right, and that's a you know, the conundrum sometimes can can lead to a solution. I find, mm. and, and I mean, you know, music is always asked of technology. You know, can we do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, <clears throat> musicians embrace new technologies when they come out. I think that the transition to, you know, being more um, present online, doing things online, live streaming events show and tell i mean processes everything you know with anything that you're doing so it's almost a natural i think already integration that was happening since like you know the 2000s with like how do we how do we connect more even you know the databases that are out there for platforms for musicians to do certain things have made it extremely easy to be able to communicate with people in the past I'm sending, you know, press kits with eight by tens and all this information and you're calling people, you're waiting for callbacks and email. It's like you are digitally present as a thing on the internet and you can communicate with people in New Zealand to San Francisco to, you know, everywhere. It's, it's, it's amazing that way, but you're right. It is hard. It's hard because not having the, uh, symbiotic relationship between an audience and what you do and 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 practicing your craft in that regard a studio and performing you know capturing a moment is one thing but we like to play live we like to interact with yeah with with, with our, our living environment exactly and it's the energy exchange as well isn't it 
yeah, the symbiotic. It's it's you know, it, it, and not only that, it's it's you know, so I I like the aspect of music that has that 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 influence of storytelling because I always find that when you know you're playing a show or something like that after a set or something like that. You know, you know, songs and, and and the ideas and songs and the stories always are you know open to conversation. They they they, they always lead somewhere, and and I like that part of presentation you know, in, in a live scenario too. And, and you kind of get to be somebody different for a little while through the process of, of performing the song because sometimes I'm very character driven, so it's it's extremely cathartic as mm -hmm. well too. It's it's almost like you know. Uh, like Neil Peart, the famous drummer, musician, lyricist that we lost more recently from the band Rush here from Canada, living on a lighted stage approaches the unreal. It it, it does. It it has that is a, that feel to mm -hmm. to 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 what you're doing, right? So, uh, Ed, I'm like I've absolutely thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with you, and I kind of feel like we could keep talking for another few hours. But I'm aware of the time for you, and I, I'm really grateful for the time that you've given me today. I've just, oh, I've just enjoyed this so much. Pleasure. A soul connection, really, is is that's what it feels like to me. Well, Mary, and I, I feel the same way too. And and you're just a lovely host, and and your questions are have a lot of gravity, so they, they they open up. You're the catalyst for a lot of big conversation it's a good thing <laughs> it's a good thing for us both and, and I learn so much I've learned so much from you listening to you and not only just listening to you but feeling your energy as you talk and uh, there's been a few times when I've had a few tears in my eyes I'm not ashamed to say we, I, felt, I have it too I get it all the time I get yeah, it all the time. yeah yeah and you know what that is that's that's that soul to soul spirit communication it's when you it's what comes from that comes from heart touches that it's that thing absolutely i mean you know it's like in the, I, this is it get criticized for it right i remember my brother gave me like these chairs for a birthday gift and i started crying he's like why are you crying i'm like because they're amazing man like you know i'm, I'm i can't help it i'm i i, I it's expression why hide it why it is expression it? and and yeah exactly and it's it's acknowledgement and it's it's well it's love really is it's love yeah 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 that's why your song at the beginning of this episode was so appropriate because i knew that's what it was be a messenger be a radical be love yeah exactly that's, and that's it that's a perfect way to to end this episode but before i do would you like to share out your social media links, your website links, so my listeners can go and check you out? Absolutely. Thank you, Marianne. And I can't thank you enough for having me on the show. I I, I, I love just talking with people and, and good conversation, but what was so nice, it's not scripted and we just jam like you're having a good improv solo. So it's I love to laugh and giggle and cry with you and just talk about everything so thank you so much for the opportunity it means so much to me um, well, it was an absolute pleasure for me <laughs> edroman.net is where you can find me all my social networking buttons are there instagram facebook twitter my youtube channel special ed roman 
is where you'll find me everywhere because I was a dyslexic. That was my nickname. Um, so yeah, check out the latest video. It's out right now. You can get it on iTunes and Amazon. Latest two singles from a recipe for perpetual spring are out there. So check it out. And, uh, yeah, I'm on SoundCloud, a lot of material on SoundCloud for free. But uh, thanks again, and I, I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Thank you, Ed. How high do you want to go? But just lead the way. Makes no difference to me, so I can hear you say. My waistcoat of disaster, I threw it all away And I'm feeling stronger, you're gonna hear me say I'm feeling stronger, stronger every day I'm feeling stronger, stronger every day Well I'm melting my pennies down and dusting off my brow Convention, they can show you how. It's my lucky pine cone. We're gonna talk to Ray. I didn't see that coming. You're gonna hear me say, I'm feeling stronger, stronger every day. I'm feeling stronger, stronger.
I'd like to thank Ed Roman for his time today and for the permission to use his music. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with him and I really enjoyed the energies we shared during our time together. Such a lovely chat. Today's bumper music is called Be Love and our ending song is called Stronger. Both songs have lyrics that are so appropriate to where we find ourselves today, both written and performed by Ed and used with his explicit permission. I want to mention my patrons and thank them for the ongoing support of this podcast. If you want to become a patron of the show, then head over to patreon.com forward slash mcc15 and sign up now. As a patron, you get access to a special members-only page on the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com, from which you can download full transcripts of each episode. Also, you have access to some early interview bits that may not make the episodes and little extras as I have time to create and add them for you. You also get early access to the shows before everyone else gets to hear them. Also, you have my absolute gratitude and appreciation. So, what are you waiting for? Go to patreon.com forward slash mcc15 and sign up now. The continued support of my patrons makes it possible for me to financially cover part of the cost of producing this show for you all. So, thank you all so much. If you have any suggestions for topics you might like me to cover in upcoming episodes, then please don't hesitate to contact me. Or if any of you have any questions, suggestions or any comments that you'd like to make or experiences that you might like to share with myself or my audience. Or if you feel you might be a good fit as a guest on my podcast, then just email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com or check out the Be A Guest page on the podcast website. Check out our Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands, our Instagram feed of the same name and our Twitter feed at Shadowlands10. Like and follow for hints on our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a positive rating and don't be shy to leave a written review on your chosen podcasting platform or on the podcast Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands. And of course, so you don't miss out on any episode, make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms and iHeartRadio as well. Also, if you have Alexa, simply say these four words, Open Walking the Shadowlands, and Alexa will play our latest episode for you. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. For those hearing impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website, so you don't miss out at all. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show. Encourage them to listen and to subscribe also. The more, the merrier. Thanks for listening to this episode. Kakite ano oyakoi. I'll see you again. Thanks for listening. 